Welcome to Synergetic Culture, where we exist to provide practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. Here's the dichotomy though. Culture is formed either by design or by default. A culture by design, when adopted by the people within the culture, has a multiplying effect in the way it builds the organization and the individuals within it. And this, my friends, this is a synergetic culture. So how do we create a culture by design? What fundamentals and tactics and principles build a synergetic culture? Well, you've come to the right place. So no matter where you find yourself in your career, this podcast is for you. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode of Synergetic Culture. And we're back on episode 34 of Synergetic Culture, continuing a conversation that started last week on episode 33 with Brandon Pipkin talking about his story as a sales and leadership coach, uh, kind of the things that built him to who he is today. So if you're just tuning in and you missed it, maybe hit pause and go back and listen to the backstory so that you can hear uh, where we're headed today. Today, I want to talk to you Uh, One, I want to share the story of how Brandon and I met, and then we're going to continue our conversation and talk about the book that he recently wrote, as well as what he's doing today to help equip other leaders and help people make an impact on the culture around them. Uh, So Brandon, welcome back to Synergetic Culture. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Of course, man. Of course. So we're we're continuing this conversation. I'm excited because I felt like leaving it out of the last episode so that it would give people a reason to come back. Um, to hear this this part of the story because um, here's here's I don't know that I've expressed this to you in person. I'm not going to try to like make you uncomfortable or anything, but your influence over me three years ago when I was first cutting my teeth in technology sales has left a remarkable impact. Um, some of the things that we walk through, um, I, I feel like I use the application today. And so one, I want to say thank you. Um, uh, it really does. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. So for me to be able to sit here on zoom across the country from you and talk, um, a couple years later is, is pretty exciting, special to me. So thank you for, for taking the time to do this. Well, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So I was, um, if you rewind the clock three years from wherever you're you're sitting, if you're listening to this relatively close to when it came out three years ago, we were in the middle of a horrible, horrible pandemic. Um, I was um, shaving my head cause I couldn't get to the barbershop. I was um, trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. I, uh, I had had a sales job before, um, before that sales job, I was one of those people that didn't raise their hand to say when I was a kid growing up, I wanted to be in sales. Oh. Um, I actually used to say this, um, I would tell, um, uh, I, I would, <laughs> I, I'm kind of going back and forth on whether or not I'm going to say it, but I'm going to say it. I would, um, <laughs> I would tell myself when I was younger, like, there's no way I could ever be a salesperson or like a real estate agent or anybody that's in sales. Yep. Cause I'm not a kiss ass. I'm not doing it. Yep. And, um, and that's, that was my, my thought process of what sales was. Um, I had a, a, a short term, uh, portion of my early twenties where I was in construction management and I was like building houses and stuff. And I would set, sit there and talk to the, um, 
the, the real estate agents that would show the houses and stuff. And I'm like, they're just walking people around, catering to their needs, like serving them. It's not my cup of tea. It's not something I want to do. Um, then I got into my first sales job and I realized, okay, if I can get passionate about something, then I probably can't sell it. And I'm not selling myself out for this because I actually believe in what I'm selling. So this is kind of cool. Um, and, uh, and then I found myself with an incredible opportunity to work for a growing technology company and, um, take, take an entry level sales position. So I jump into this company. I don't know what in the world I'm doing. Um, probably when, when we first interacted, it was three months after I had started. Really? Yeah. And I remember thinking even up until that point, I don't even know if I'm doing this job right. Like I'm just making it up as I go. Um, and, and then we had, um, an event that's normally a, a sales kickoff that's in person. We do some, you know, sales training and some organizational training and kind of rally the troops and everybody gets excited. Well, we had to do ours over, um, zoom and it was, uh, such a pain. And I, I was talking to someone the other day. I said, do you remember actually one of the guys on my team? Um, he and I were on the same team at the time. I said, dude, do you remember when we did that, that meeting? uh, over zoom. And he's like, Oh yes. And so I started to ask him, I said, do you also remember the sales training that we had? He goes, yeah, sucked. I said, well, I heard that some people sucked, but mine didn't. And I will forever be grateful that I actually had an engaging facilitator, somebody who, who included everyone in the conversation. And, and, and what struck me was your ability to capture the audience of a zoom room and make it engaging and exciting and something that I wanted to learn because we're going through a ton of content. Um, and so uh, it, over the course of, I don't know, maybe a day or two and multiple sessions, we started to kind of build a little bit of a rapport. And when yeah. we would do breakouts, you would jump in. And so we started to interact a little bit. And I just remember feeling like, okay, now I've been equipped with some tools. Like I, I, I've been equipped with with some of the skills that I need to go into these technical and sometimes difficult sales conversations and interact with somebody professionally, but true to myself. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of the, the, the marrying of preparation precedes excellence and being honest and true and authentic to myself. And I feel like you helped bring that out of me. Um, and, and what, what happened shortly after that, those, those sessions was, a remarkable ride that I'm, I feel like a wave I'm still riding in, in this career path, but you had a lot to do with it. So, um, do you remember, do you remember, uh, what are, what are your memories of that experience and, and working with yeah. us? So one thing that I always wish I could do differently is remember specific interactions within training. Cause the, after I met with you, then it was next week with another client, sure. another client, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there are certain things that stick out to me. Um, and I'll take a little tangent here. For instance, Amanda Geisler sitting in a training class, and there was something about this lady. There was such energy. There was such je ne sais quoi, such a, an aura about this person yeah. that I remember distinctly being around her. And she and I became friends, and we talked, and then she was she left what she was doing to go lead tours. And so she was leading tours around Croatia. And then she walked Camino de Santiago, which is the spiritual trek and new year's day. No, it was, it was new year's Eve of 2018. I think it was 
She was on one of these excursions. The plane took off from San Juan, Puerto Rico, hit some rough air and crashed. And she died doing what she absolutely loved to do and wanted to do. And she and I had these cool conversations about leading an authentic life and how happy she was doing these things because it was what lit her soul up. But more than that, and I'm not going to say follow your passion and all that stuff, but yes, there's something to that. But more importantly, we had these conversations about, she said, I totally feel comfortable in my skin and I feel like the right people are attracted into my life because I've started to be more authentic and I've started not to people please. And I've just said what I feel and said what I think not again, I'm not talking about the, Oh, I'm so goofy. And, or I'm going to just say whatever comes to my mind, but, but stopping with the filter, stopping with the inauthenticity. And so like that kind of a thing, right. That leaves such an impression on me. And I know that was a little bit of a tangent to your question, but yeah. So I remember her energy and I remember you and I connecting after the training. Yeah. And I remember all the work that Tracy put in up front on the training and all that kind of fun stuff. Yep. Yep. I remember we had tons of fun. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you any details about <laughs> that's the okay. And it sucks. No, it's right? okay. It sucks. Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, that would be uh, the equivalent to that is you, right now it's, I'm, I'm meeting with, with customers over and over. And while I, the, some of the guys that I work with you, um, on the last podcast, you brought up a football reference and mentioned Andy Reed. Um, there is a, um, the, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, there is an, I think it's a basketball player now that I think about it. Um, whose ability to recall specific things within a play is, Ooh. is, is like great. Like has like this crazy memory to tell you, you know, we played this, this is what happened. This is what, um, or it was a football player. I can't remember. I feel bad for drawing a blank and telling the story, but one of the guys on my team said that I remind him of that because a lot of times I can recall things, but man, yep. it's getting to a point where I'm like, I don't remember like the next day. I'm like, wait, which, what, which call was this? What did I say? Who did we talk to? And then after getting a few details, I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, yep. A so, few years ago, I honestly thought I was having early onset Alzheimer's. Really? Because I, I couldn't recall words. I, I Things were failing and I couldn't put things together. And finally, what I realized is I've heard of mom brain, which is a young mom. Yeah. So scattered trying sure. to take care of the kids and, how, and all of this kind of stuff. Right. And so I finally realized I've actually got dad brain because I'll be trying to do something creative here at my desk. And one of the kids will walk in and I leave my door open when I'm not on a call because I want them to walk in. Yeah. I want to connect with yeah. them. So they'll come in and they'll need something. So, okay, then I'm short circuiting in the mind. I have to switch <laughs> over, right? And then yes. the next one will come in two minutes later after I, and so it was just this constant short and this and this, and then meeting new audiences every week and stuff. Yeah. And so I'm trying to find a way to where I can lock it in. I memorize the names of people that day and yep. the interaction we have. And I, I really want to connect and know their stories. And so I'm looking for a good way to keep those connections and names forefront later on, which is why I'm so grateful that you connected early on yeah. and that we've stayed in touch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, also, I love the approach with the kids. Um, you know, my story, I'm a, I'm a single dad now, so I've, I've, um, I, I can, I can totally attest, especially when it was, it was COVID time and working from home and, you know, at the t- my, my, almost five-year-old was two when, when I first met you. So a two-year-old at home trying to do everything The you know, the, the short circuiting, you know, what else is interesting though? I, I don't know why it took me so long to come to this conclusion or to, to arrive at this realization, but I finally realized 
um, that there, I have a limited capacity of space yeah. in my brain to hold yep. information. And yep. what this does and what this does is mm-hmm. cloud my capacity with unnecessary information. And yeah. so I've, I've kind of taken it upon myself that I had a scenario a couple of weeks ago where I had, I was talking to somebody about something and I kind of brought up a question. I wonder, I wonder if this, this, and this, they said, well, just look it up. And I stopped and I went, nah, it's okay. And they were like, nah. just Google it. And I was like, you know what? I only have space in my brain for so much. And I think I can live without knowing that one. I'm just going to let it go. Nice. And so it's also that realization of like, I just don't have, I mean, I'm sure there's ways to unlock more and I, and I all constantly want to learn. Um, yep. but I, there's not an infinite space and no. storage capacity. So I've got, yeah. I've got to be Perfect. selective about what content I'm bringing in so that I, I use that space. Well, bingo, um, bingo. So I scrolled back while we were talking Yeah. to January 5th, 2021. And okay. this is, this is the message I sent you right after we concluded uh, that sales training, Brandon, thank you again for a phenomenal training. Uh, I'm grateful that this company brought the big guns to the table for our training mm-hmm. session. And I learned a ton. I want to highlight things that really stood out to me. I really appreciate how engaging you were, how quickly you were personable with each individual, how impressed and how quickly you learned our names. You mentioned that I remember being like, Holy crap. He learned all of our names in this zoom room that quickly. Um, and then I shared some of the some of the experiences and the why. And what's cool is um, we've stayed connected. We've engaged with each other's content. And um, uh, a few months ago, I mean, time's flying so fast. But I we I, I reached out and I was like, Hey, dude, I would love to interview you because I just remember learning so much, and I want to give people this access to you to learn. Um, and you've been so gracious to give me more time with you and. Um, I don't take it for granted, so I'm excited to share more of your story and and get into the book and what you're doing today. So, um, thank you again. Thanks, man. Yeah, for real. Um, as we jump into into this, um, you you said you've been a contractor for about ten years, um, mm-hmm. and and today you um, work solely for your yourself. Is that correct? You you yeah. lead and consult I and have, do what you do. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I've, I've got my own company and uh, do workshops and coaching and consulting. And I also have two partners, uh, c- company partners, content partners that will put me on some of their com- their client work. Awesome. And or I'm one of them, trusted advisor associates. And this is like their, their stuff is blowing my mind. It was two years ago that I got connected with them. And I've taught sales training, communications training for how long now? And really just in the last two years, am I understanding the power of listening? I knew it was important. I knew why we did it. But for instance, one of the things I've learned from them is it's not what you learn when you're listening, although that's very important. It's more what you say when you're listening. It took me a minute, right, to really understand that. Well, what are you saying when you're listening? You're saying, I value you. You're important to me. I care to hear what you have to say. I'm focused right now in this moment. You are important and valuable to me. Wow. Right? And so I now believe that 80% of all sales, and it's the same in all communication, is subtext. Mm -hmm. It's not the words you say. Yeah. It's not the cool brochure that you've got. 
it's that the slide deck. Yeah. <laughs> the beautiful slide deck. Yeah. Right? I just yeah. posted something on LinkedIn about a client who couldn't figure out why their close rates were low from their demos. I saw that post. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, cause it's, it's yeah. a beautiful demo that doesn't really touch on the things that are important to them. Yep. So that's yep. why. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really not about all that external stuff. It's about the undercurrent that happens when the person is asking themselves subconsciously, can I trust you to do right by me? Do yeah. you know what my problem is? And are you going to solve my problem in a way that works for me and doesn't benefit you only? And if we can't answer those questions, we're dead in the water, no matter what else we do. Yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, That's my own work, my own company. Yeah. And then uh, contracting with two other who put me on their client work or I use their materials. Awesome. Awesome. That's so cool. I, I, I was, I was so engaged. I was so, um, um, it left a, a, a mark on, on me as I started up this, this down this path and, and in this career, um, it's helped me, um, to, um, accomplish some pretty cool things just in the sales, um, a role that I was in. It's helped me to achieve a couple of promotions to get into leadership, to start leading a team to now leading, um, an area, um, for, for the Atlanta sales. And, and so it's, it's something I'm grateful for. Um, I, so you, um, you, you're, you're coaching, you're leading, you're doing all the stuff, but then, um, not too long ago, you wrote a book and the concept of the book is something really, really cool. So tell us a little bit about that. And what, like, what was, what was the driver for you to, to say, Oh, I, you know what, this, <laughs> what I was going to say also is, um, and this is where my brain's going, um, uh, a million miles a minute. I, I have ADHD and for a while I, yeah. I took medication. Uh, it helped a lot. It helped me to, and I, I was diagnosed late. So I always just yeah. like bounced around and thought I was kind of spastic and, um, and then I finally sat down with a psychiatrist who did a, a spec brain scan and was like, no, you literally have ADHD. And, yeah. um, I, you know, and he started to like identify some things and I was like, oh my gosh, this all makes sense. And at the time I was like 27. So I got yeah. on some medicine and it helped. And then, um, I, I got into a season where I felt like I want to try to phase the chemical, um, response away and just focus on self-awareness and putting practices into place and disciplines into place to just help me, um, work through that. And one of the things that's hard to do with ADHD is to focus and to listen. And yeah. so learning to listen with some of the stuff you were talking about and, um, and, uh, and, and focusing on how I can, how I can not just listen to respond, but listen to understand um, in a, in a sales motion or in a just life and relationship motion, um, it's helped yeah. me a lot. So I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that, um, my ADD brain took a second to catch up to <laughs> catch up to that. Um, but tell us about the book. So what, what's, what's the title and why did you write this thing? Yeah. So years ago when I kind of caught fire with that personal development stuff, I came across this idea. If you find your passion, you'll find your success. And this was from, I'm going to blank on his name, but Robert, somebody, and he was a big real estate trainer in okay. the knees or whatever. And the way that he presented it, I, I just was blown away and it resonated with me so much. It basically what he was saying is we are all part of this grand symphony in life. Wow. Yeah. 
And if you, Adam, don't play your part, the symphony is deficit of that beautiful addition that we could have had. And so think about if Adam doesn't play his part and Lisa doesn't play her part and Bobby doesn't play his part, how deficit that beautiful orchestral symphony could have been or how deficit it is and how beautiful it could have been had everybody contributed their unique part. Yeah. And so I, I just caught fire with this idea because I thought, well, I had wanted to write a book, but I didn't want to regurgitate what everybody else had said. I wanted it to be significant. I wanted it to be valuable. I didn't want to stand up on stage and say, have goals, because everyone else says have goals. And that's what I think I'm supposed to say. And so I figured out, well, this is this is the path. What I need to do is interview people who have found their passion and parlayed that into their success, because I want to show the readers of my book that we need you and that you can use your passion and, and you can become very successful doing that. So I started interviewing these successful people and I chose millionaires because I thought this is a, that's a great accomplishment. Yeah. And I wanted people whose names you wouldn't know. Gotcha. Intentionally. Yeah. I wanted one or two who maybe you did know, but intentionally I wanted names you, somebody wouldn't know because I wanted to show millionaires closer than we think it is. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to highlight their stories. I got three stories deep and I asked Matt, what's your passion? He said, I don't know. I've never had that conversation with myself. Earlier in the interview, I asked about his goals and he said, no, I've never really had a goal. Like if I make this, if I make it to this point or X amount of money, then I've, I've arrived. Also in their interview, I asked him about business plans and I said, well, surely when you started this current business, cause it was his third business. I said, surely when you started this business, you had a, a business plan, right? He said, well, it was more of a sketch on a whiteboard. So after that interview, I started thinking about the combination of those three things. No, I don't know what my passion is. And he answered that pretty quickly. I don't yeah. know. I haven't had that conversation with myself. He obviously didn't know the subtitle for the book was going to be find your passion, find your success. Cause he just blew that out of the water. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> so after that though, and reflecting, didn't know what his passion was, didn't really have goals, didn't have a business plan for starting this multi-million dollar business. Yeah. I started to think, well, the things I've been told about success may not really hold water. And from that point, I went into scientific mode. I just wanted, I left my hypothesis, well, maybe not scientific mode because I abandoned my hypothesis of find your passion, find your success. <laughs> and then I just went into fact-finding mode. So maybe that's sociologist sure. mode. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted the truth wherever it was, journalist mode. I'm just going to follow the trail. I'm going to ask the questions wherever yeah. they lead. And yeah. I don't care what the answers are. I just want to know what the answers are. And as I look back on the first two interviews, the same theme was there. I just didn't hear it. Yeah. Didn't key into it. It took Matt telling me that. So then I just went on this fact-finding mission to, to try to find out how and why did these people do what they did? How did they balance family life? What, what do they feel bad about? What would they change if they could? And so I wrote the book, 21 Questions for 21 Millionaires, How Ordinary People Create Extraordinary Success. And the idea was to make this a series. Let's move on to other people who fascinate me cancer survivors, Olympians, wow. recovering addicts. Yeah. And so I made it 14 Olympians in and then divorce for me. Actually, I started, I think I started after my divorce, but single dad mode and yeah. trying to run a business and everything else. So I'm trying to pick it back up and I've, I've slowly started some more of these interviews of people who fascinate me. Very, very cool. So what, what was, um, what, what were some of the things that you, the common themes or some of the things that you learned yep. in interviewing these, these millionaires? 
Well, so here's what's fun and interesting is on page three, I give away the secrets and I don't make you read 20 pages in <laughs> before I blow the, you know, blow the cover and tell you this is what this book is all about. Yeah. yeah the, the theme that was unexpected maybe was these folks just worked hard no matter what they were doing. It was just how they were built. Yeah. I'm going to work hard. Only two or three of them really had an idea. I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah. The rest, it was, they just worked hard at whatever they were doing. And then the next four principles kind of fell for them, which was they took things line upon line. And I intentionally use that phrase line upon line, as opposed to step-by-step step, because step-by-step step implies a uniform progression. Sure. Line upon line, it comes from scripture actually. And it's here a little, there a little revealed in the moment. And so Matt, for instance, that third person that I interviewed when I asked him about his goals, he said, it was really more about following my business maturation process. I just took the next step that was in front of me. Mm. And that stuck with me so much, Adam, because again, we hear, and I love Covey's work, by the way, Stephen yeah. Covey's yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. I love it. For sure. And it's, he's still one of the authors that holds water for me. And a lot of others have dissipated from what I learned interviewing these successful people. But even Covey says, start with the end in mind. And to a degree, yes, Absolutely. But I also look at these millionaires who did not start with the end in mind. They just started where they were and worked. And then cool things happened. And here a little, their little things opened up that they never could have planned for. The seventh person I interviewed, he said to me, I, or the fourth, he said, I never could have planned from how my life turned out, but it was very serendipitous. Mm. I couldn't have planned for it. There's no plan yeah. for how you get to where you go. It's so circuitous. Yeah. Number three, there was no failure. There was only learning. There was a, They were just course correcting all the time and figuring out, okay, that didn't work. What can I do? Number four, they followed their gut, their intuition. Some of them had a formal mentor. Most of them just had people around that they would check in with. And they didn't, they weren't always concerned with what does somebody else think? They were concerned with what is my gut telling me? And then number five, they talk about luck. Fortune yeah. favored them. Okay. I was curious if you're going to get there because I feel like I hear this this portion of it um, just in different interviews where you talk, you, you, you hear a success story. And uh, I think there's a fascination around someone else's success. There's also a little bit of a, what would I have to do? Mm -hmm. You know, what what if that was me? Like I, I go into some of those, those, um, these stories and I go, okay, what, what, what if this is my story one day? Like, what does that look like? How, how can I, yeah. what am I, what do I need to do differently? And, and I almost everybody just, uh, when I've, when I've asked questions or I've listened to interviews or watched pot, you know, watched or listened to podcasts, it's, there's an element of luck. There's a, why well, I, yeah, I found myself in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And there are two sides to that coin. One of them is, one of the millionaires quoted Bear Bryant. I think it was Bear Bryant who said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Okay. Huh. So that takes us back to principle number one. Yeah. You're working really hard. Yeah. You're, you're going to have more luck. Yep. As PJ Fleck, the head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers talks about, I can't guarantee that we're going to win a national championship. Can't even guarantee we're going to win Saturday's game. But what I can guarantee is we're going to do enough of the right things during the week to stack the odds in our favor to win the games on Saturday. And if we do enough of that and win enough Saturday games, we get to play for the national championship. Okay. So there's, that's one side to it. Hashtag row the, the other boat. Side, what's that? I said, row the boat. Hashtag exactly. row the boat. 
Yeah. Love PJ's thoughts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's cool. Love what he's creating, right? The other side of that is one of these millionaires, Steve Rosedahl, who started a very successful jewelry store here in Denver. He said, there were a lot of people who did the same things that we did, and they went out of business. We made mm. a lot of mistakes. Wow. Somehow we were just able to come out on top. Wow. So maybe that even ties to that, like that idea goes back to the first point of they just continue to work. And then the other point of just problem solving, like when something doesn't work, you just, one of the phrases we used in the military, adapt and overcome. Like you just, yeah, you right. figure out what's not working and then you, you adjust. Um, right. It's, it's very interesting. I think there's, and it's getting worse <laughs> and we're about to tap into one of my pet peeves is there's this idea amongst maybe the younger generation, the, the younger millennials and the, the Gen Z kids that are coming out of college and high school right now that, um, uh, social media fame, um, mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be a, I'm, I'm going to go viral. Um, yep. there's going to be this, this incredible thing that happens to me and then I'm going to be successful and great. And because we're so immersed and programmed into validation from social activity and social media, um, we think it's more likely and more attainable than just putting the phone down and getting to freaking work. Right. And um, it's a pet peeve because I see it and I, and I see um, it bothers me when people want to be lazy and think that they're still going to get the success. Yep. Um, and, and I think one of the toughest realities that everyone has to buy into a hundred percent is that first piece. I'm going to have to work really freaking hard. If yep. I, if I want to achieve my goals and, and maybe even make some of my dreams come true, it's going to take me sacrificing the short term pleasure of doing whatever I want so I can get the long term gain of this success. Yep. <laughs> work truly is a four letter word. And for a long time after I wrote the book, I thought if I could bring one message back to the world, it would be the value of work. Yeah. It's ennobling. It does so many good things for our souls. And when we go to work, not only do we feel great about ourselves, we then benefit other people because any honest work benefits other people. Any honest work does. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's, and yeah, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, a couple of months ago, I met a lady who kind of revolutionized my mind around manifesting. Cause I had poo pooed the idea. The millionaires didn't get where they were by manifesting. In fact, one of them was like, you listen to these people who talk about listening to Tony Robbins and visualizing their success sure, at 2 a.m. Sure. He said, I was too busy working and failing and trying and succeeding and failing and building my business to listen to somebody motivate me on how to be successful. So I poo pooed this idea forever. And so I met a lady a couple of months ago, kind of like revolutionized my mind around manifesting. And so now I'm doing it and it's really been a huge boon and benefit right now. And I, I'm in such a great place. It feels like mentally. And if you don't couple that with work, you're still going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And for some people it's, it's um, you're right. There, there's kind of a connotation associated with this idea of manifestation. And like you said, some people kind of get a weird vibe an idea from it. Um, I certainly, I certainly can understand that, but I mean, there, there's, there's 
um, I, I go back to playing, playing high school football. And one of the things I remember my coach telling me was you, you need to lay in bed at night and visualize yourself making the block. You need to visualize yourself making the tackle. You need to visualize. And, um, I do it to this day and it just looks different. I visualize myself going into conversations like this, going into podcast interviews. I visualize how this conversation is going to go and what I'm going to say and how, how I can be mentally, emotionally, physically prepared. Um, and I think there's a lot of value that comes from that for sure. Sure enough. Um, so, um, I'm, I'm fascinated by, by the book idea, uh, idea. And, and I, I can't wait to, I need to get a, get a, grab a copy and get my hands on it. Um, is there an audio book for it? No, we should do it. I know. Do yep. I want, I want to read it. And again, with everything else that's been going on, yeah. Like, yeah, I'll get to it at some point. Well, you, you, um, anytime you're ready, the synergetic culture recording equipment is yours for free to record the book. You just let us know, uh, let me know. And I'll, you. I'll, I'll hook it up somehow. Um, I should just do it. Yeah. I should just do it. Yeah, man. Um, but no, I, I, I love the idea of, of, um, learning from other people, learning from other people's success, understanding what, what, uh, common themes there are in, in people finding success. How do you translate some of those things that you've learned into the coaching that you do today into how you help organizations? What does it look like for you when you go and you coach and you teach people how yeah. to be more successful and more, um, productive and, and lead better? Yeah. Thanks for that question. I, I still struggle with self-promotion marketing myself. And, uh, that's why I ask good questions. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying thanks. to pull them out of you. <laughs> yeah. So that part is hard to communicate, but I finally put it into some of my materials, my catalog. When you coach with me, you're not just getting the wisdom and knowledge that I've gained over the years of training 15,000 sales professionals, yeah. maybe even closer to 20,000 now, I don't know, 400 plus global organizations, people from all walks of life, the two years I spent overseas in Switzerland and all that, right? But you're also going to get the wisdom, experience, and learning of the people I've interviewed. Yeah. 21 entrepreneurial millionaires, 14 Olympians, cancer survivors, recovering addicts, politicians. So when when somebody coaches with me, what they get is all of that coming to bear. Yeah. And and I appreciate that because there's no one size fits all. That yeah. was one of the things I learned about this book. And it was so freeing to me because again, I heard if you want to be successful, you got to do this. And every success expert has their own version of you have to do it this way. Otherwise it's not going to happen. So I love being able to, to talk to somebody and find out where they are, what they're really feeling, and then engage with them. And as one of my clients put it, she said, this is like sales therapy. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is because, um, a common theme in life is people want to be heard and they want to know that they're not alone. And so in order to um, capture an audience, that's probably one of the first things you need to do is let them know that you hear them and find a way to connect with them so that they Mm -hmm. feel a sense of empathy from you and they don't feel like I'm just alone in this world. I'm alone in this struggle. I'm alone in this fight. And, um, you, you really do a great job at it. Um, I think what's, what's awesome is, um, there's, there's been kind of a, a buildup to who Brandon Pipkin is and what he does, but the, the story certainly isn't over. 
Um, and there's so much more influence and people that you get to touch the lives of. And, um, I'm excited about that. I, I want to, I want to land the plane here in, in this part two and kind of wrap up our, our conversation, um, with, with getting, getting practical. One of the things uh, that's kind of our, our mission is to provide practical and tangible content to help people build a more synergetic culture. And so as, as somebody listening to this may be inspired, what's the action step that somebody can do to better lead themselves, to apply some of the things that you and I have talked about, and you can go anywhere you want with this. I know we didn't really, really prepare these questions. Yeah, I'm making some notes. First note I made was let your audience know you hear them because yeah. I still, like I mentioned, struggle with marketing. And I always have to keep in mind those kinds of things. Yeah, so a couple of things are coming to mind. A few practical things I'll give in just a moment. And I'll caveat it with this. A lot of the successful people I talk to, when I ask them, what advice would you give to other people? They'll say, I don't know. Like, I can only tell you what worked for me. Yeah. I love the humility, especially from the millionaires. I would ask what is success? And one of them in particular, he goes, how would I know? He said, I have what I think is my definition of success. And it, it, it revolves around my wife and my children, but don't ask them because you know they may have a different <laughs> thought. on, on that by myself. Um, And, and others, like I mentioned, they would say, well, I can't answer that for other people. I don't, I can't define what success is for them, or I can't give them advice on what they should do. I only know what, what worked for me. Yeah. So from that perspective, I am a little loath to give advice. And another thought that I'm churning on, if you'll permit me for one second is this, that because I just ended this relationship with this client and I have an opportunity to really think about and ruminate on what is the unmet, even unknown need in the market or in the world? And how can I meet that? What skills, talents, abilities, and experiences have I had? Some of them which absolutely sucked, but probably prepared me really yeah. well. Uh-huh. Can I bring to bear to solve this problem? So one thing that I'm doing right now is I'm reaching out to people in my network and asking them, what is the sales training and coaching industry or sales in general lacking. And I, I even, I'm looking beyond that. And so I'm just really trying to figure out where does this world need me? Now I have the luxury of doing that right now because I'm in a transition phase. Yeah. By luxury. Yeah. I need to bring in money. Um, So it's not like I'm sitting around for six months, pondering this on top of a hilltop, but I'm in a spot where that's really exciting, really intriguing to me. And I don't think that most of us get that when we're in the day-to-day because we're in the day-to-day and we have to just get stuff done, GSD. Yep. So that takes me back to the practical tips that I would give are just do what I saw these successful people all do, the millionaires, the Olympians, the cancer survivors, the recovering addicts. They work hard Yeah. no matter what they're doing. Right? Like you think it's easy to recover from an addiction? There's a freak ton of work that goes into that. Yeah. And it's going to be line upon line, a little bit here, a little bit there, and you're going to fail. And you just keep moving forward and you give yourself grace and you don't do this huge post-mortem on what happened and why did this, and how can I avoid it in the future? You just recognize, okay, that didn't work. Give myself a little grace. I'm going to do a little bit better next time. Yeah. Follow your gut. You are your own success expert. That little voice within you, 
that wiser self, that higher self that your coach talks about. Yeah. Get in touch with that, that person and listen, really listen, because that higher self and that gut is also influenced by a higher power who will guide you and direct you. And if you do those things with an eye toward blessing other people, some really cool things will probably happen. Man, I love that. I, I I can't I can't tell you how powerful I think that is. Um, especially what you ended with focusing on uh, on others. There is a a incredible thing that happens when you serve other people that you you in turn receive so much more from that action and from that experience. And um, and so I, I love that. I love the advice. You mentioned something earlier too that I meant to I meant to speak on, um, and I'll I'll bring it up here. Is a lot of those people, and I've heard people say this to me, um, they didn't they didn't know how they were going to get there. All they knew was they were going to do the next right thing, or yep. the next wise thing. And so maybe you're sitting here listening, and you're going, I don't know where I'm going in my career. I don't know what I, my calling is. Um, what I heard Brandon say was show up. And, and give a crap about what you're doing. Work hard, do the next right thing, continue to, yep. to show up. I think people quit on themselves. I think people um, give up on themselves. And, and I hope that if for anybody that's listening to this, you can hear just in the, in the short time we've spent on the last episode in this episode, uh, it hasn't been easy for Brandon, but he kept showing up. And I think if we keep doing that and we keep um, pursuing hard work and doing the things, the next right thing. Um, one, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna impact your life. And I do believe that better days are always ahead. And so I believe that you're gonna, you're gonna see a a benefit to that. Um, I don't know what it looks like for you, but I believe in it. And two, you're going to impact people around you because that type of attitude, that, that unrelenting hard work, that just showing up and, and giving a crap that's infectious. And I think that's the kind of stuff that builds the people around you. You start to create a culture around, Hey, we're just going to work hard and we're going to show up. And, um, and I think it's possible for people that are leading teams or people that are part of teams to impact their team with that type of advice. So powerful stuff, man, really, really good stuff. Thanks. Yeah. It's been great to be with you. Thanks for the conversation. Love what you're doing with this. My bachelor's was in organizational leadership with a specialization in organizational development. So this building the right cultures, putting people where they can succeed, giving them all the tools and then the environment to do it. Yeah. Really appreciate what you're doing to Thank further you. that. Thank you. I, I feel I feel honored. I feel blessed. I I feel I connected with what you said about um there's a lot of experiences that I've had, but that's just my experience. And so being able to be a conduit for others to, to learn from other people and, um, and spend time learning myself, it's truly an honor. So thanks for taking the time, Brandon, and hanging out with me, um, for these last couple episodes. It's been an honor. It's fun to catch up. Um, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you learned something real quick. If people want to find you and connect with you, Brandon, what's the best way for them to do that? Awesome. Thanks. BrandonPipkin.com. B-R-A-N-D-O-N-P-I-P-K-I-N.com or on LinkedIn, Brandon Pipkin. Yep. I'm going to put the LinkedIn link and his website link in the information on this episode. So you can find it on Spotify or Apple, or eventually when it gets uploaded to YouTube, you'll be able to capture 
his information. Please, if you're impacted at all by his story, shoot him a message, let him know, and uh, encourage this guy as he continues to make a huge impact. Um, that means a lot to me. Um, hey, continue to listen, continue to, to, to show up, and um, we'll catch you guys next time on another episode of Synergetic Culture. Thanks again, Brandon. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more about Synergetic Culture, we invite you to go to SynergeticCulture.com. Sign up to receive our weekly podcast and blog, and then connect with us on social media. We want to be connected to you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and then share our show with the people around you so they too can build a synergetic culture. This episode was written and recorded by Adam Bieber, founder and CEO of Synergetic Culture. Synergetic Culture is a registered trademark of Adam Bieber and the Synergetic Culture Company. <laughs>